Welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello everyone and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I'm your host, Christine Blasdale. And you have tuned into an incredible show. We're going to be talking about an emotional potty trainer. And my guest today, I love that. I love that title. My guest today is Rachel Kaplan, and she is a licensed psychotherapist. She's been a psychotherapist for 13 years. You look too young to be a psychotherapist for Thank 13 you. years. Thank you. Well, um, I started young. <laughs> yes, she started as a baby. And uh, Rachel has been relentlessly studying healing uh, from a very young age. And you're going to tell us a little bit about what got you on that path. That's part of the beauty about this program is we get to talk about how you got to where you are right now. So Rachel Kaplan, welcome to Out of Thank the Box you. with Christine. Thank you so much. I love being out of boxes. <laughs> what box? <laughs> so I had mentioned that you, um, you started this, your, your journey into studying healing with people at a very young age. Do you mind sharing your story with, with our listeners? I'd love to. So <clears throat> it's it's a bit tragic as the start of most good therapist stories are. And um, that was at my first, I, I like to actually say my first attachment. Of course, I was attached to my parents because I needed to survive, but the fir- I was always a little aloof with them. So the first person that I wanted to be as close to as possible was my first boyfriend. And he became my entire existence for a couple years. And then basically uh, kind of pulled me into a very complex and deceptive lie and then committed suicide. And, um, you know, my, the subject of his suicide note was this cryptic message that only I understood that basically just meant make sure I didn't do it too. Um, Because I, you know, I was trying to stop him from doing it by threatening I would do it too. So that are we allowed to swear on your show? You <laughs> no. go right ahead. That fucked me up. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, that was really devastating and was a death for me. Um, yeah. I think suicide for anyone who has been close to it at any age is one of the most painful things that humans go through because of the shame and confusion and guilt. Um, but certainly as a teenager, I was 14. He was 14. Wow. So, um, By 16, um, as I started recognizing some of, by 15, I was studying suicide, but by 16, as I was recognizing some of the impact on my emotional system, my ability to attach, um, I became relentlessly focused, as you read in my bio, to try to find relief. And that sent me on this wild journey where I, um, you know, I ended up focusing a lot on East Asian religions and living over there for a year and studying yoga and hands-on healing techniques um, and certainly came back and studied psychotherapy as a professional. And um, so kind of weaving together the worlds, all of the approaches on healing. And then the final most influential impact on my own journey and what I am showing or teaching in my my podcast and soon-to-be book, please God, 
um, what you refer to as emotional potty training came through a, a native trained mentor healer. So, you know, I feel like what's cool is I've really, I feel like a synthesis of right. all of the world's healing technologies. And the amazing thing is that, you know, what actually helped me after 25 years, the thing that was the most profound um, and the thing that I think is really essential in emotional healing and is not exactly understood by the psychotherapeutic world is as simple as, as taking a shit. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, which is yeah, amazing. That's, is, is that, is that, that's part of the name of your podcast yeah. show, right? It's the Healing Feeling Shit Show. The Healing um, Feeling Shit Show. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And the jingle, which was the first thing I did when I was absolutely crystal clear I was starting a podcast. I'm like, I'm a big music junkie. Um, see, my water bottle says, no music no life. Um, I was like, we need a jingle. And so it ends in a flush. Uh, I won't sing it because I want your <laughs> listeners to be able to have the joy of going to hear it. But yeah, there, there's really good news in that because, um, you know, when we're in pain, which everyone is, you know, there's no one, there's no human who's alive who won't have pain. It's part of the journey. It's part of, it's inevitable. Just, just the same way aging is, the same way the reality that everyone we love, including ourselves, will die. There's pain here. It's impossible yeah. to be a human and not have pain. And so much of what our economy and our culture is built around is um, people profiting off of giving us alternatives to our pain. Now, the problem is none of those alternatives work. Like no amount of consuming sweaters or cocaine or pornography <clears throat> or success and you know resume building, none of those actually take away our human pains, our insecurities, our our grief, our fear. And what I'm coming out with is letting people know, good news, everyone, you're not supposed to get away from those things. And if you try, that will lead to, you know, destructive forces. It will lead to um, what I think is at the root of imposter syndrome, at the root of most addiction. It will destroy your relationships. And what you can do instead and what works is you can learn how to reconnect to your body and to the <clears throat> organic mechanism that the emotional system is. And that, you know, and that hence the pooping. So it's like in the morning, Christine, whenever yes. you last took a poop, when you have the feeling in your body that you had to poop, did you think, well, should I eat something or buy something? Maybe buy <laughs> no. Something? At this age, if I feel that movement, I go, yay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. You go yes. poop, right? Yes. You get yes. yourself to the bathroom to go poop. So, you know, and that, and almost everybody knows that, you know, and I've learned um, the humbling truth that not everybody has an easy time pooping since I've come out with the show and I say, learn to have your feelings as easily as you poop. A lot of people are saying, well, that's not that easy, but I guarantee that 99.999% of us are more uh, instinctive and responsive to the feeling that we have to poop than we are to the feeling that we have to have a feeling. And so when, when, yeah. when people start to feel sad or mad or scared, you know, they're much more likely to try to engage in one of these distraction mechanisms. And what I'm saying is, why don't you learn how to identify that sensation? Because what are emotions? They are clusters of sensation. They're really intense and they roll through our bodies in squads. That's how I refer to them. So we learn how to be like, oh, wait, I know what that feeling feels like. That's anger brewing or 
that's, that's an ache in my heart. I think I might need to cry. So we learn how do you slow down to recognize the sensation? And then how do you start to create a strong enough connection to your sensations and your emotions that they move through you like a poop? And there's, there's like a billion other great, you know, ways that they correlate. Like, you know, the last time you pooped, you probably didn't think to yourself, oh my God, I hope no one finds out. I pooped again. I pooped yesterday. Like, that's <laughs> week. I'm always Everybody pooping. poos. Exactly. But like, that's, we don't feel that way when we cry, you know, especially, you know, God love the men who have been taught even more than women. Right. And I know that, you know, gender is not, no longer <laughs> But binary. they step it down because of culture, because yeah. of the culture, yeah. The pressure. So, you know, so they can feel intensely ashamed. Most of us feel ashamed when we're feeling afraid or when we're feeling a lot of grief or a lot of insecurity. And so, you know, this whole movement, the feelings movement, as I'm calling it, I'm really trying to reduce the shame around emotional pain and, and part of my use of you know, potty humor and, you know, my, it's like the, the logo is like my face and a shit, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm fully going there. Every episode has a poop story of actual poop. <laughs> By the way, I might ask you if you have one before we part ways today, but sure. Um, I'm saying let's reduce the shame and let's get really good at this. Um, and let's not, you know, let's get to a place where we don't have to look at each feeling and think that that's the truth or dig through it, or feel like it identifies who we are as a person, but we just have this fluid system where we know how to have our feelings. And to me, I think that doing that, reinstating that in our bodies, because it is, it is organic, ideally we would have had it, is what leads to emotional resilience, which I think is better than happy. It's like knowing that whatever life throws at me, I can handle it because I can move my feelings through me like a poop. And that's how people get to be who they actually are, versus just trying to like fit the norms. So that's why I'm an emotional potty trainer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it's a great analogy. And isn't it interesting that when, when uh, some of us, when we have emotions, when we are sad, when we cry, when we're overwhelmed with life, what's being thrown at us, um, if we feel like we're going to cry, um, a lot, a lot of people say, you know, I'm sorry. They apologize. Uh -huh. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. And I always, whenever someone does that in my presence, I'm like, you have nothing to be sorry yeah. about. Yeah. Let it out, express it. Right. Because isn't that what we're looking at with so many, I mean, just look at the outside world for a split second and we'll come back in here. Sure. When you see, um, uh, the, uh, some rage or anger or, um, homophobia or racism and things like that, that is a lot of repressed also from, yeah. from years and years and years, repressed fear, anger, hurt, yeah, yeah. Um, all of that. So if we could take care of this and make sure everybody has a nice emotional poo, Right. And we yeah. probably will have a few happy Absolutely. people walking around, right? Yeah. It's 100%. It's like my, my contribution to the well-being of the earth. If we're going to survive this phase, yeah. you know, I think, and I think that, you know, we're not going to see political leaders and CEOs, corporation execs having empathy for humans and for impacted humans and displaced and oppressed humans if they are avoiding their own pain. Because the ability to have empathy relies on our ability to feel our own pain. And so I think that real transformation, and everyone has anger. I think anger is a good example because, you know, it ha it's the most taboo even in the therapeutic world. You know, when you hear about anger work um, in, in the psychological industry, which is 100% an industry, it's good to remember that, yeah. they're talking about managing anger. And um, my mentor was really deeply earth 
um, connected and his medicine is very connected to the earth. And so he helped me look at uh, the emotions elementally. What do you think anger is elementally? If you had to choose one of the elements to correspond with anger. Uh, Fire. Yeah, absolutely. Fire. And so like, let's look at, you know, managing fire. Do we, do we just contain and repress and compress fire? What would happen? It's like it explodes. And that's what we see in our world. We see it people on each other. We see it with angry drivers. We see it um, horrifically with all these shootings. And so, but the solution is not trying to make people not have anger, especially, you know, when it becomes so volatile and dangerous, it's because there's such a backlog that's been repressed. And so instead, an example of how I would work with people and how it's slightly different than what you might do with your average therapist is teaching people how do you have a little anger tantrum in a safe way that's contained? Because if we needed, we, we use fire in our lives every moment, oftentimes without awareness, but electricity, you know, driving cars, even solar or electric cars, um, cooking, it's like fire is good, but it is dangerous. And so we need to be caring and cautious. And so if you're going to have a fire in your house, you're going to put it in a fireplace or if you're in the wild, a fire pit. So we want to contain the anger, but then we need to let it go. So I'm teaching people, how do you have little tantrums? So that can be anything from screaming into a pillow, carefully, you know, squeezing pillows, hitting the bed with a towel. And the best one, the most effective and satisfying one, but not most um, convenient and a little bit dangerous and also maybe illegal. <laughs> so oh. everyone's been warned. You didn't hear it from me. <laughs> okay. But, but is, is going out into the woods and actually using an axe, if you're comfortable and safe with an axe, to chop dead wood. Um, and so I've taken dozens of clients out into the wild with axes, you know, so that they have that feeling in their body of how do you connect to the hate you carry and the fear and the, and for most people, they feel it most, yeah, the rage, mostly acutely toward themselves. People, yeah, yeah, like self-criticism. It's like how to externalize that through this physical, incredibly physical act of destruction that doesn't hurt anybody. Like even in the woods, you're comp, you're, you're chop, you're composting something that's dead. It's right. safe, right? You know, so it's like, and then as you do that over time, you 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 lessen your backlog of like explosive materials inside you, and then anger can become what it's meant to be, which is a signal that something is not okay, a signal that your boundary is being crossed. You know, when you can get rid of the the backlog, it's really important. Just like fear is a really important signal of danger, but not if we're so terrified because we've never felt safe in our life that we're afraid all the time. We'll never get the message that that emotion is supposed to bring us evolutionarily when we have a backlog. So this is all about like, move out your backlog of shit, guys. Take a laxative. (laughs) Yeah. An axe. (laughs) You know, I wanted to, uh, to cover, you know, there's, uh, there's a great deal of, uh, that that I've noticed with uh, people, you know, from being on social media and seeing some posts and things, there 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 seems to be a great deal of of people who are suffering from depression mm-hmm. and or anxiety. Yeah. Um, like like a lot, and yeah. and people experiencing panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if if our um if our wonderful audience knows what a panic attack a panic attack is like. Uh-huh. But maybe you can fill us in a little bit on that, and uh, maybe some things that can, um, some suggestions, some things that you would suggest to people right. who are experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression, but in also in particular those panic attacks. Sure. 
Um, well, I do think it's true that everyone is really suffering and it's become very acute. And certainly a panic attack is incredibly acute. It is like a very intense, um, like a, a storm, a crisis of fear <laughs> that is so uh, crippling that you actually, the person experiencing it feels like they're going to die. So the yeah. breath will become incredibly restrictive. Um, sometimes people feel dizzy, um, feel, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's like fear at, uh, you know, a, a 10 or a 12 on the scale of one to 10, but it's fear. It's fear. Um, and you know, depression is, is a little different. There's different definitions of it, but what, what I think of when, you know, people talk about being depressed, um, and when I say depressed, what I'm thinking of is like someone who's lacking motivation, someone who has a low grade level of, disinterest in life, um, yeah. unhappiness, but there's not a lot of emotion to it. Usually it's depression is like a layer of numbness versus someone being really sad. Like if you see someone who's actively grieving, whether a breakup or a death, um, or in moments of acute sadness, it's very enlivening. That person does not feel dead. That person does not feel numb. Right, and right. Would probably not describe the experience as depression. Um, so, you know, those are two different extremes and I'm happy to talk a little bit about both of them. Um, I think what, what we're looking at though is just, you know, it's the impact or the effect of how disconnected we are to ourselves and how much, and you're seeing it online, right? Part of what's happening is, you know, everyone is engaging more with their computers and their social, you know, their social media feeds, um, then maybe their bodies or the earth. Um, you know, we're all working insane hours, myself included, to try to survive these expensive lifestyles that we have. You know, even just rent these days is like nearly impossible. And so there's just a general imbalance, not to mention what's happening in our country politically. And so I think that almost nobody's system is, is balanced because we're living within a system where there's a lot of sickness. Now, I don't think that that means that there isn't amazing really inspiring, really healing activism, connection. Right. Um, you know, social right. media does a lot of beautiful things. But to be healthy where we aren't crippled with fear and we aren't so deadened that we have no motivation to get out of our beds, we need to have a connection to ourselves as organic beings and ideally, you know, to other humans and to things that make us joyful and kind of more of the natural rhythms of life. And, you know, for instance, like if you look at animals, um, an animal and who has been injured, like a three-legged dog, you don't see that dog you yeah. know, sitting <laughs> around feeling bad for itself, um, you know, in victim mode or, you know, there's a way that animals, you know, especially animals out in the wild where they are prey, like a scared animal, a self-pitying animal is a dead animal. Like there's a way that, you know, the natural world has systems of balance. And so part of what we're just dealing with is, you know, coming from our own disconnection to ourselves as natural humans. And, and I, like what I'm saying is also to the emotions. Now, if you are, I'll talk about depression first. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling numb, if you're, and usually depression is a lot of anger turned in. Um, that's another mm, right. you know, cliche you'll hear, self-judgment, self-criticism. The best thing you can do is start to get clear that the experience that you're having, and you're probably trying to medicate it with all kinds of things, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or busyness or whatever your thing is, I call them drugs of choice, um, could be clothes, mine is clothes. 
Anyway, <laughs> whatever your thing is, you try to medicate your hard feelings with those things um, and it's not working. That's why you feel so shitty. And so what I would say to the person who's experiencing that fog or that heaviness is, what about if you give yourself credit, you tried everything you knew to try and instead start to move toward or turn toward your pain and start to get really curious about what are you grieving about? What are you sad about? How is your heart broken? And start to learn how do you tune into that pain in a way where it actually becomes alive and becomes something that has enough strength to drip out of your eyeballs. Like when we feel heartbroken and we allow it, we cry, there's relief. There's like a big exhale, you know? Um, and if you're really judging yourself, you're sure that you're a failure and you don't look like everyone else looks like on social media, then start to, you know, hit your bed about how much you're fucking up. Start to find ways to physicalize and externalize those judgments so that you can start bringing uh, life back to yourself so you can fight back. And eventually, if you do this healing work, you'll, you'll start to not just be mad at yourself. You'll start to be able to recognize some of the external forces, which might look like um, victimization, but it's actually a powerful step in the process of reclaiming your life. That shit happened to you. It wasn't all your fault. And you need to now deal with the pain because nobody can poop for you and nobody can move your pain for you. Mm. Not even the best therapist. But, you know, you can start saying, no, I deserve better and kind of fighting your way out of the deadness of depression. And I guarantee you grief and even fear, which is very uncomfortable to really sit in and anger, all of those feelings, shame even, which is probably the deepest of the emotional wound. Yeah, huge. All of that will feel better than the numbness you're feeling that has you stuck in your bed. And and so what the shit show is, my podcast, the first season of it, just to make a, a plug and also offer the help that I've offered for free, <laughs> which is an interesting <laughs> idea, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, is literally the best I have to offer. It's a step-by-step -step guide of how to understand how you got wounded, how to, like both in, you know, looking at early attachment stuff, looking at how to create a healthy relationship to your um, wounded parts, and then how to how do you actually move your feelings? So there's an episode, episode five is like the mechanics of it. Episode six is like, that sounded easy, it's not. And then seven through 10, each break down one of the core emotions. So it starts with anger, and then sadness, fear, and shame. And there's tons of suggestions of how do you actually move these feelings? Um, the whole season is woven in. There's six hours of my clients woven in. And I also do four little mini live unscripted therapy sessions. So mm. it will guide you one step at a time through how do you connect to your feelings and move them. And at the end of it, I guarantee you, you will not feel as depressed. You know, people who have access to their emotions don't feel depressed. So if you and don't have an... And that is, and uh, just so people know, and we'll, <clears throat> we'll put links to all this, the... Um, the podcast show that they can listen to is healingfeelingshitshow.com. Healingfeelingshitshow.com. I can't wait yeah. to put that in the in the, yeah. in yeah. the here. That's my website. And in, in my website, the I is an I. On iTunes, the I is an asterisk because in the end, iTunes calls the shots. And when they said, and therefore any any place you go, iHeartRadio, all yeah. those, all those places. Uh, but when iTunes says, no, you can't swear, I was like, because Facebook was like, you can't swear. You can't pay for ads if you swear. And I was like, fuck you. But when <laughs> iTunes said it, I was like, okay, whatever you want. Yeah, so that's, the, that's season one. Now, I'm pretty deep into season two. And season two is more of like 
like conversations like this. I brought in a lot of experts. There's more therapy. It's kind of enhancing that core level healing. Um, let me just speak briefly to panic attacks. Um, yes. So fear is an interesting emotion because it's so fundamentally destabilizing for us. So, you know, in the process of learning how to feel your feelings, it is one of the harder ones. It's also really important because if you're afraid of your feelings, which, you know, most of us are, it's like a gateway yeah. door to feelings. Because if you're afraid of them and you can't handle fear, then you're not going to get deeper into your emotional onion than that. Um, and so there's slightly different techniques I give around how to deal with fear, um, which, you know, I think the most useful thing is if you want to learn to have your fear, which you need to have if you're having panic attacks, panic attacks are, you know, you're probably at a base level. Your, your emotional baseline is that you're in pretty constant fear. You're probably managing it most of the time. And then sometimes it is just spiking so intensely. Something triggers it, right? Yeah. Sometimes, not even always, but it's just like your system can't keep it down anymore, and the the you know force at with it at which it comes out is is just completely crippling. And so, for someone who's dealing with that, you really need to be almost daily doing activities and focusing. Maybe not every day, but like I'd say three to four times a week at least on mm -hmm. how to be in the fear. Um, and how to move the fear. And so, you know, with most of the emotions, and I talk people through this in, in episode five, you know, you go into the feeling and then at the end of the feeling, you know, you go back into question, like using your mind and what I call reality testing. Now, most of the humans alive, the way they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot with how to be in relationship with their feelings is we get a feeling and we talk ourselves out of it the next moment. Right. So you might be like, God, I'm really scared my partner is going to leave me. And then immediately you're like, no, 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 but like they love me and they, like they can't, whatever, you know? And so there's this dipping into a feeling and then immediately jumping out of it. And so there's no relief, you know, Correct. it's like feelings aren't rational. They're emotional. It's a different system. And so what the art of learning how to have your feelings is you need to jump deep into the feeling and just let your body feel how true it feels. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm doomed to be left. They're going to leave me. Oh, it's going to hurt so bad. You like see if you can't cry it out or if you need to shake. So fear, you know, I can get, come back to that. But so the difference with fear work is that usually it's so terrifying that before you go into the whole feeling, you need to do a little reality testing. So you need to be like, okay, I have a roof over my head. These three humans are not going to let me live in a gutter and or die. Or, you know, to whatever extent they can help me. I'm okay. You know, I, I seem to wake up each day after day. So you establish whatever bit of safety you can. It's kind of like if you right. were rock climbing or, or the cave splunking. Is that what you call it? Splunking. Yeah. Yeah. You would hook into something. You have a rope. You hook into reality and then you go either high or low. So with fear, it's so unstable. It's so terrifying that you want to do that first. And then you really let yourself feel how afraid you are. And, and with fear, the tip I'll give is that there's generally two energetics with it. That's why I don't teach it first because, you know, it's, it's complicated. Like with anger, we explode. It's an outward right. vibe. Right. With sadness, we implode. We, we need to collapse and swaddle and slow down and release down. Like, tears come down. With, with fear, it's, it's both. And also shame, it's both. So with fear, if you're really feeling afraid or if you're experiencing panic attacks and you're trying to connect into your fear, you would want to look at, okay, do I feel like helpless and hopeless and like I want to be swaddled and held and soothed? Do I feel paralyzed? 
or do I feel like, oh my God, I'm so freaked out, I'm twitchy, I'm shaking, I'm anxious. And depending on what you have, you have a feeling of, you would either do something frenetic, so like turning on weird music or loud music um, and doing really twitchy movements, erratic movements, like, you know, or shaking, jumping. That's what animals do when they- I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that before. Um, yes, dispelling. Like physical movement, like shaking yeah. it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what animals do. As soon as they're safe- well, they actually do both, but as soon as they outrun the predator, let's say, and they're really safe, they'll shake, they release the trauma, and then they go about their business. If it becomes so bad that they can't outrun the predator, then they often will play dead. And um, I think scientists actually think that they shut down the nervous system in a way so that if they are going to be eaten, they don't feel as much pain. And so that's what you see in people. People either are paralyzed and deadened by their fear, or they feel like really agitated. And so you want to follow the energy. And then and then notice sometimes when you're doing working with fear and trying to move your fear, suddenly you might want to cry. Suddenly you might get a much softer feeling come up and so you want to tune into that. And so again, this sounds very complex and it it is a bit, but I've laid out the steps one step at a time. And so it's really about, you know, the the hidden most basic art and like the 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 thing that is so unnatural for us, but but becomes natural when you when you get good at this and you get committed to this, is that it's basically instead of trying to escape our pain, we are trying to turn toward and care for and move our pain. Not believe it, not like make a shrine to it and victimize ourselves around it, but learn how to how to be with it so that it can do its thing, which is to move out of us. Hey, Out of the Boxers, we'll return to this program in just a few seconds, I promise, but I wanted to tell you about something that I am so excited about. It's my very own personal development program, and it's called Accelerate Your Dreams. If you want to start your own business, write a book, create healthy and happy relationships, or simply lose weight, our goal is to get you there. You can find out more by visiting AccelerateYourDreams.com. That's AccelerateYourDreams.com. Check it out. And now back to the program. With that, and this will lead to this leads to the next question because a lot of those panic attacks, anxiety, um, fears, and things like that, they're formulated, are they not? A lot of times in childhood, and those emotional uh, traumas, um, those those wounds that we get when we're children, yeah, um, obviously they they they'll carry into our adulthood unless we have a, a way of dealing with them absolutely yeah but, but i would let's talk about that because yeah. i'm sure a great deal of your um your, yeah. your clients and, and patients that you work with are dealing with maybe they don't maybe it's on a, a subconscious level that they're not yeah. even aware that right. something happened to them when they were you know really young but absolutely. it does a lot of times it comes back to their childhood, correct? Absolutely, everyone. Yeah, I mean, the deal is we are we're animals also, and you know, at some point deep in our biology, at a, you know, not so far back, people were living tribally. They were living in connection to the earth, and um, it was rough. You know, there was no Uber Eats, and <laughs> so therefore you know, um, wired into us is a sense of like needing community, needing connection. And if that sounds too far off or woo, just think about an infant. An infant is so completely helpless yeah. that if they don't have their caregiver right there doting on them and, and feeding them and keeping them warm and helping them, you know, they will die. And so all of us, you know, 
you know, from the earliest age where we were here, which, and we were just nervous systems in skin. Like we didn't have thoughts. We couldn't like rationalize things. We were just so sensitive and so aware at a body level that we needed someone to care for us. And so, you know, I say that the way core wounds come to be is that, you know, uh, what we start to do is we start to study what makes me lose connection to mom or dad or the caregiver, if it's not mom or dad. And if, if every time you cry, your, your mom or dad gets glossy or leaves, or you know, if every time as kids become more vocal and expressive, if every time you walk on your toes, if you're a little boy, or if every time you, know, um, you assert yourself or your needs, your parent starts, you know, let's say being critical or reserved at, at the best, you know, at the worst, it's like being abusive or neglectful. Yeah. You will learn as a biological uh, organism that's interested in surviving how to not be that way. And so what we do in those early years is we basically are wired to take the parts of us that we feel are threatening to our attachment and try to push them down into what I call the emotional basement. Right. Um, and try to, you know, not be that way. That, that's, we're just organically wired that way. And then the other most fascinating thing about this is that, you know, if you think about a child who's dependent on parents that aren't necessarily providing safety or security, it's like, what is better for that child to recognize? Are they going to be like, oh shit, here I am on planet earth. I'm dependent on these schmoes and they're beating me. And it's, I'm in an unsafe world. Or is it more adapted to think, oh man, every once in a while this person hits me and I must be doing something really bad and I better figure out how to be good so that doesn't happen. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's like B. And so what that looks like um, is that we all blame ourselves because it's actually a more adaptive way to perceive things when we're vulnerable is to think that we have control. It's a false right. sense of agency that makes it tolerable to be so vulnerable, right? And so <clears throat> what that looks like is People are walking around with partitioned aspects of themselves that they are trying to deny, and they feel horrifically at fault for them. So these core wounds, what you're speaking of, yeah. is the sense that we have, and it's bone deep. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a belief. It's not a belief the way we use the word belief. When we say belief, it's like you think of a construct mentally that can change. This is like we fear that deep down, if anyone knew us well enough, they will know this truth about us that we're unlovable. That we're not enough. That we're too much. That, repeat that again, because I think that that needs to be um, uh, really clear to people. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah. So at a bone deep level, based on attachment, the, the need to be close to our caregivers, the need to feel like we are safe, we have partitioned aspects of ourselves and hidden aspects of ourselves, and we feel like to blame for those. We feel like those aspects of ourselves yeah. make us unlovable in some way, whether it's too much, not enough, we're dumb, we're a sissy, we're weak, we're, you know, whatever the truth is. And when you're looking for what your core wound is, what that story is, which is in episode two and three for me, you want to look in simple language because you were a kid. It was like, mine was, I was gross. I was bad. It was, it's not fancy. If you're in fancy talk, you're in your head. So if you're trying to figure out why you feel unlovable, you want to get really simple, really body connected. And absolutely, those core wounds are at the root of all of the problems we're talking about, at all of the addictions. And so the whole journey that I'm leading people on is, how do you find those parts of you in your basement? Yeah. How do you understand that they aren't actually true and earn for yourself? That's the thing. It's not a mental thing. Like, I could tell you that, you know, 
oh, you're not really bad. You just feel bad. But until you earn that, like I remember the moment where I got that, it was like amazing. It's like when you get that from inside that it was an injury, that you, it was a feeling versus the truth, it will change your whole life. So I help people find those parts and learn how do you establish a relationship where instead of being hidden, they become the VIP part of your life and you learn how to take care of them the way you would a child. You learn how to give compassion, how yeah, to tune into yeah. who do they actually like in your life and who actually gives them panic attacks. <laughs> you know, it's like, and how to create and craft your life in a way where that part of you starts getting included. And one of the steps is doing this emotional potty training work where you start to flush out the backlog. <laughs> but it's not just that. It's like, that's the most important part in some way. Like you're not going to heal if you don't do that because that part has so much pain, but there's a lot of more practical steps that you're taking around just how you're living your life. But you're basically, you're giving attention and care to these parts. And what we know, and we know this in every way, we know this in you know, the therapeutic industry or in that world, it's like in the Gestalt world, which is one of my first trainings, they said this statement that's contact is curative. Like if you pay attention to a child or your partner or your client, it's like, it feels good. It heals us. And so if you spend all this time caring and connecting with the part of you in pain, guess what? It starts to feel worthy of love and they heal. And then we don't have these hidden parts of us in the basement. And then we get to shape our lives around who are we really, you know, and, right. and we can come out of the bad marriage or the job that doesn't really suit us or reclaim the beauty of our vulnerability and our ability to cry. It's amazing. So yes, hope that you, I hope that was good. <laughs> yes. No, that was, no, that was perfect. That was exactly what I was, what I was looking at. And especially uh, the way that we stuff things down and build those heart walls as yeah. well, because we don't want to be hurt. The yeah. pain, the right. pain is so, um, the pain can feel so great. And sometimes yeah. too, that we've, those stories that we have, um, that were handed down to us a yeah. lot of times, absolutely feeling not worthy, uh, not worthy of love, not worthy of being cared about, um, not smart enough, not right. cute enough, whatever those stories, we, we tend to replay them over and over in our heads right. and we believe them. So we're yeah. playing like an avatar, like, like. Like yeah. basically this beautiful soul in this body, you know, this beautiful creation is uh, in the background. And then there's an avatar of yeah. this person who's less than crap. You're full of shit. You, you know, you're just, yeah. you're just not, not worth anybody's time. Right. And, and then plastered with all of the ways we're trying to like act like we are. It's like, there's the avatar that feels worthless. And then in front of that is like the porcelain. Everything's vinegar. great. I'm amazing. Hashtag I got abs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and then we escape and then we escape the pain through, obviously through drugs, through alcohol. Uh, I had a, a relative who had lost a child at a very young age. And instead of, communicating expressing the feelings and the emotions and the and i mean it's it's uh it, it's it's impossible to be in their shoes you know obviously to lose a child yeah. but instead of dealing with those emotions what this person did was stuff them down with lots of food i mean just eating 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 and drinking uh to excess yeah for, for the rest of their lives that they're, they're, they're no longer with us but what happened was also numbing that pain with the alcohol created a whole new set of problems. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 
So yeah. you're so you're numbing the numbing the pain with the alcohol or the drugs, right. and then you're creating a whole new set of problems. Uh, d DUI, uh, right. bar fight. Um, yeah. Your kids can't talk to you because you're hammered. Right. You know. Yeah, and so hopefully all of your listeners or watchers, subscribers, you've all tried it out. We've all tried it out, and we want to give ourselves yeah. props. Like, we tried out, can we, can we avoid these things? Can and we drink it away? No. Yeah. Can we buy it away? Can we validate it away? Can we, like, resume it away? And it, it, we can't. You know, even if you're, like, the CEO or the leader or the boss, it's like some part of you is still hurting. So that's great. You're makes you a human. And why don't you try this other thing that actually, <laughs> it actually works. It just works. Just like sweating works to cool the body. Just like, you know, um, I don't know what other, you know, like when we get a cut, our bodies generally, when we're healthy, know how to heal ourselves, you know, and we don't have to do much. It's like, you can get your organic emotional system to return to a place where it will regulate you and you get to be who you are and deal with pain well, and it will work. <laughs> Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. And it's, and, and again, without creating new sets of problems and yeah. new, right. uh, new distractions as well. Yeah. And you trusting ourselves, like becoming, like knowing that we are who we are and that we can handle life. Cause as we know, life is also a shit show. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> it's be, not yeah. easy. No, but it is like, it always is at some level, right? It certainly is right now. I think it always has been. And so it's like how to be resilient in the face of those challenges that are inevitable. Okay. Now, Rachel, you, from my understanding too, you have some specific steps that people can take to, um, to possibly help overcome some of those childhood traumas that they've experienced. Absolutely. Want to share some? Yeah. So I think what you're referring to is the steps, the five steps toward um, creating a healing relationship with the core wounded part that I was just talking about. Um, and again, not to keep bringing up my podcast, but this is also in episode three. Um, but basically the first one is getting curious. It's, um, curiosity. Who do you have in the basement? And you can think about what were the things that you thought your parents valued? If you had siblings, how did you compare yourself to them? It's like really understanding what messages or stories you have internalized about what makes you a piece of shit or not enough. <laughs> so you need to, you know, it is useful to know what's in there and cause it helps you find where you're holding that shame or that self-loathing. So curiosity is step one. Um, step two is about communicating or checking in on this part. So what I suggest for this is find a picture of yourself at approximately the age where you were like, in your opinion, the least acceptable. So, you know, or where you felt like the awkwardness set in or you realized you weren't quite getting the memo that you didn't have it right. Pull a picture out. If you're willing, make, take a picture of the picture with your smartphone, which I'm probably pretty sure you have if you're sitting here on, in a podcast or YouTube video, um, and make it your, your home screen. Or at least put it somewhere where you see it. Put it in your house somewhere beautiful, like a little altar. Or put it. I have one on a mirror. Beautiful. Yeah. Put it on your phone. We know we look at our phones all goddamn day. And when you <laughs> see that photo, see if you can't like look for the beauty and the innocence of that part. Um, say hi to it. And the, you know, so one thing is you're just bringing that part of you to mind, to front and center, to your awareness. And then throughout the day, you want to check in on that part. You want to communicate. So it's like, you know, it might be if you had a nickname as a kid, um, you know, little Rachie, little Chrissy, little whatever you think of as this younger part, you almost imagine it's a separate part of you. And you would, when you wake up in the morning, say, hi, good morning. How are you feeling today? And really listen. Like, 
Is this a tender day? Is this a scared day? Is this a sad day? Is this a happy day? When you're going to feed yourself, what is the little part of you want? When you're making any plans, like who, you know, you start to actually connect and talk to her or him or them or whatever you identify as. Um, and, you know, start that building a relationship where you're actually in communication. So that's step two. Step three is about care. And I kind of just reference it, but it's about starting to make choices um, based on what they actually want and need. So versus bullying them around versus hiding them versus trying to compensate or cover them when we start to actually give them what they want to need. So care. I like um, and that. that's, really, that's at the heart of this work. Like, a lot of times once people start trying to have their feelings, they approach it the way they approach everything else, which is like they're, they're doomed to do it wrong and they have to get it right. So it's almost exploitative. Like, right. you know, they've been trying to not feel pain their whole life. And now they're like, damn it, feel it. You know, it's like that doesn't work. This is really about caring for this soft part of ourselves, not yeah. making it perform. Um, so the fourth one, despite what I just said, is it's connecting to the pain. And that's where the entire emotional potty training um, course comes in. And I actually am leading a course, which I'll tell you about in a minute um, or after this step work. Um, but it's really about like clearing out the backlog of the pain for the part that's in pain. And so that's like, you know, building time into your schedule, just like you would go to the gym or you would go to the library, or you would go to work or you would spend time with a friend where you're actually trying out, exploring these methods of how to connect and move the pain so that you can start lessening what that part is carrying. So that's right. huge. And then the last one, um, oh, you know what? I, I see that there are six here. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I <laughs> found one. Yeah. Um, well, the last part is about testing yourself. And there's like two, two aspects of it. So it could be, you know, step five is either testing yourself and actualizing yourself or or testing yourself. So what happens is we're pretty sure that we're going to lose love if we expose this part of us. What makes us unlovable? You know, we think that if, if our boss saw, if our new honey pie saw, that they'll leave us, that our life will fall apart. And so as you start to integrate these parts into you and get strong enough to actually embody them, part of what you're doing is looking for little tests of whether or not your life falls apart and looking for ways to um, internalize your strength. So like actually celebrate the wins so that you start to come into present time with who you actually are versus who you thought you were as a little child. Oh, I like that. And to feel more resilience in your life. Um, and there's a lot that it can be a complicated step in the work. Um, my, my mentor talks about it as being laboratory. I talk about it as being these self-tests, but you actually can set up these things that you practice each week where you're... Um, you know, supporting yourself coming into some goal, like maybe it's like speaking up in a, in a work meeting, like you've never been able to share right. your voice, you feel really um, disempowered or, or not enough. It's like you, you have a goal, you practice it in this certain way, let's say every week, you, you get really strong, you support yourself emotionally, you try it out, and then afterwards you, you process emotionally how it went. And you keep trying it week after week and you keep testing yourself. And then when it goes well, you're really trying to internalize, wow, look what the risk I took and it worked. And that's how people kind of become who they are. And then the last half step is really about actualizing who you really are. And I think of all the great weirdos like Bowie. I don't know. I always think of Bowie with this or like, you know, anyone who was just out of the box, like you are helping people. It's like the people who really impact the world are not just following along with the scripts. They're being weird and wonderful um, and they feel strong enough to be who they are and they're bringing something new. And that's like the kind of the end result of, you know, healing these wounded 
not enough parts as we become exactly who we are. And usually I think there's a lot of gift and strength and service that naturally comes forth, whether it's just you do something beautifully or you become useful for the other people who had to overcome similar stuff as you. It's like that, that's, that's key. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, when I have, when I book guests as well, or, or when I go and uh, listen to speakers, um, it's not just so much the, you know, I was born poor and now I'm a multimillionaire right. kind of, speaker <laughs> thing. but it's, it's the, it's showing the human factor and it's showing like, I used to be like this. Right. You know, one of the most powerful ways to set, um, you know, young people, and I don't mean straight, like, you know, heterosexual, right. but totally. to set them straight, like from if they're, if they're kind of in that area where they're, um, they're dabbling with stuff is to have somebody who's like, Hey man, I was in a gang and I'll tell you, I shot people and I hurt people and right. I didn't know the pain that I was inflicting until I actually met a mother of somebody that I had taken out or hurt or whatever. Right. And now they're using their life to get right. kids to not take yeah. that path. You know, uh, former Crips and Bloods gang members are going now and, and talking to young people and, and it's not scaring them. It's not a thing of like, I'm going to scare right. you. Yeah. It's just saying Connecting. your, yeah, your actions have consequences right. and we don't think about it because we're so inside of our head. But it's or in, in pain and so much pain in pain. Yeah. What I think that that process of um, having our own unique human struggle, alchemizing it, trying to transform it and heal it, and then exploring what gift it becomes to that we need to give others is really how I would define adulthood. It's like, you know, you've, you've grown through whatever you've been through and you figured out how you can be useful or at the very least not harmful and you start serving the whole um, with your own suffering. And, you know, the, we didn't meet at the New Media Summit. I found out about you through this network of, of entrepreneurs who are doing this purpose-driven work. But it was just the first time I went. So striking to me about how everyone's offering is inherently connected to what they've grown through. And I think it's a beautiful element of being alive and getting past just ourselves. And it happened for me very organically. I was not even a podcast person. And so when I was like, I'm going to make a podcast. I mean, it was <laughs> the podcast was just the, the method. Um, the vehicle. It, yeah, yeah, the vehicle. But it feels like it, it, it does deep honor to the suffering. And episode four is actually the suicide story. Um, and in a memoir narrative form, it's quite, I'm very proud of it. It's very beautiful. And just knowing how much I'm helping people through the horrific, because, you know, it sounds pretty now. I'm like feeling pretty good at almost 40, turning 40 this year or next year. But um, it was really harrowing, and you know, I've I've had a lot of challenges, and so it like brings the beauty of the burden. You know, we are burdened with our life experiences, and there's a beauty to them, and there's a responsibility. And also, when we heal, I think my my mentor said that to me. He said, "You're going to be indebted. The level of healing you're receiving, it's a debt, and the only way to repay the debt is to fully show up to your life." And to yes. pay it forward. And somehow I'm doing that with a podcast. And the one other thing I do want to tell your listeners, if anyone's like jamming on this with me, is that um, I'm doing the first ever guided journey with the podcast. I'll say that I've had dozens of people from all over the country and world um, reaching out saying that the season one is better than any therapy they've ever gotten. And I get it because it's like, there a lot, there's a lot of terrible therapy in the world. If yeah. you're just going and <laughs> yes, there is. and you're paying someone to moan at you while nodding, asking you how you feel, you are and not getting your money. Right. 
you're not getting your money's worth. So anyway, um, but so people have been having their own life-changing experiences with the content alone. And so I feel really excited because I know just a little bit of my personal touch, um, and it's all done remotely, that I will you know, pretty much guarantee that you will get major headway in whatever your healing um, pursuits are. If not, you know, I, I don't want to promise it in six to eight weeks because the last thing will be a follow-up. It's a six-week course that your whole life will change. But I will say you will be like deeply ingrained into um, – a profoundly healing journey, if not already feeling profoundly better by the end. Um, that's starting the first week of November. There is information about it on my website, healingfeelingshitshow.com. But it's basically, uh, it will be the 10 of the 12 episodes of content. Um, you'll do uh, three sessions with me individually. There's going to be group sessions where you can work with me therapeutically or ask questions. You'll have a partner. There's going to be um, you know, worksheets to help you digest the, the content and really internalize it. And um, there'll even be follow-ups. So it's really like, it's going to be really big. I'm very excited. And that would be, you know, listen to the, uh, for people who you can't afford it, guess what? I gave it all for free. For people who have money and they want to invest in their healing, yes. um, you have a, and I'm, I'm capping it. I want it to be an intimate group. So it's cool that you're launching this soon and you should get on the list um, and, and change your whole life. <laughs> I like that because, um, because it also gives people the ability, they can listen to the podcast show and dip their foot in it. And if they resonate with you or after watching this, if they resonate with you and they're like, yeah, you know what? It's time, and yeah. I like I like her approach. I like yeah. her energy. It's energy as well. Yeah. Um, totally. Then they can then they can uh, sign up for that course. Go so, deeper. Yeah. So they go um, again. The website is healingfeelingshitshow.com. That's, That's healing, right. Healingshitshow.com. You can and there's, listen there's to one, all the shows. One more gift I want to give your listeners, and it's the way like that, that you can find my work um, is, and it's also free is that I created a quiz called, or it's at the URL, yourcorewound.com. And it's like, it'll take you about five minutes. Um, but it basically, you answer these questions by just numerically, and it will give you um, a module of like where to start in the healing work. So it might say, okay, your core wound is anger. And that's only kind of true. Like everyone's core wound is more likely shame or worthlessness and belonging than anger or sadness, but it will give us the flavor of what you want to start with. And then I'm going to send you the episode that went along with that emotion, as well as like a little video of me talking to you about how to work with it and a list of tips of how to work with it. So that's oh, how cool. Is that? Yeah, it's really cool. So yourcorewound.com. Yourcorewound.com. It takes you just less than five minutes to do. That is a brilliant, that's a wonderful free gift. We like yeah. that. We yeah. like freebies. Yeah. Rachel Kaplan, it has been wonderful having you on. Is there, so let's, let's have you give out all of your, uh, all of your information where you want people yeah. to find you yeah. and we'll have you back on because I know, um, there's a lot to talk about in, in covering this in an hour. We just can't, we, we can't get through the, all the grief, the shame, the anger, the yeah. fear, uh, yeah. healthy relationships. Oh, yeah. that's another thing. Yeah. I want to have you back just to talk about healthy relationships. Yeah. That's episode 11. It's emotionally potty treated grownups. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. I think we did a great job of that initial deep dive. And anyone who wants to connect deeper, healingfeelingshitshow.com, healingfeelingshitshow with an asterisk if you want to listen to the podcast to take the quiz, yourcorewound.com. Awesome. Thank you so very much, Rachel. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you. And yeah. I want to thank you wonderful listeners and viewers of this podcast show, Out of the Box with Christine, for joining us yet again for another incredible program. 
remember you can share the show and as a matter of fact if it resonates with you or you know it's going to help someone who is going through some stuff and we all are going through stuff so you should share this with everybody you know yeah um, it's really easy to do to share the YouTube video. It's super, super easy. Like it and share it on your social media. Send it to in an email if you like. That's the uh, the power of using these videos and sharing them with others. Um, I, I'm just so very honored and uh, and happy to have this wonderful guest, Rachel Kaplan, on today. Thank so, you again. Until next time, remember also if you want to find out more information about this podcast show, you can at outoftheboxwithchristine.com. And until next time, we'll see you then. Bye.